All right, can we pray this morning? Lord Jesus, we thank you because you are great, and thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. We pray that as we listen, we pray that our hearts will be open. We pray that the Holy Spirit will minister to us and make us see deeper things. Lord, we pray that our listening will be fruitful today. Let our heart attention and our heart affection be concentrated and focused on you. Thank you, Father, because you have done it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right. It has been a wonderful series. I have listened to all of the series, starting from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, uh, Traveling Lights. Pastor Jamie and Pastor Idea did a very wonderful job. I had to take notes of all of the preaching, and I know that's been great. I'm going to restate some of the things they mentioned this morning. So today, I'm going to be talking about the freedom to fail. The freedom to fail. Pastor Jamie has been talking about the freedom and how it relates to us as believers. And Pastor Heidi has been, has been saying it. When I was a teenager, I used to think that God was one man that was holding one book of life with a giant pencil. And anytime you sinned, it would just use that giant eraser and just blot it off. And you say, oh, Lord, forgive me, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. You will write it again. I was like, okay, if you do it next time, I'm going to erase your name. That's the way I thought God was as a teenager, as a, as a young Christian. So the way the teacher was like, God is writing, he's looking at you, and he's like, got you, you did it, I'm going to erase your name. That's the way many people think God is. But later on, I discovered that that's not who God is. God is someone who wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to have relationship with us. God wants to know us, and he wants us to know him. God, God wants, to, wants us to cultivate a deeper relationship with him. That's what God wants. And I'm happy that I understand that today. Many of us, how many of us have experienced that? Like, we think God is one tyrant somewhere. So that's, that's the way I was taught, but now I know better that God wants a relationship. There are some denominations that I know that will say, you know, back in Nigeria, they will say, men, we men don't wear pants to church. You don't wear pants. You wear long skirts. And your skirt has to be, you know, sweeping, almost sweeping the floor because you have to be holy. You have to, like, that's the way it is. So that's, everyone is restricted. No jewelry. You have to be very, very strict. And you have to, you know, show that, you know, God is... No, that's, that. so, and uh, in some places, men are not supposed to wear some air cuts. You don't, you have to shave your hair in a way that would be according to God is holy, and that's the way it, it's been uh, said in, in those places. But God is not like that. He wants to have a relationship. It goes beyond who you are, it goes beyond what people say you are, or what cultures say you are, or what a nation says you are, or what people describe you. He wants to have a relationship, and he wants you to be free. Freedom, that freedom is what Christ has given. Christianity is not about politics, or maybe you are democratic, or a Republican, or maybe you are black, or you are white, or whatever you are. It's, it's God has given us that freedom through Christ Jesus 
to be who he has created us to be. We are not defined by our past. We are not defined by our future because we are in a broken world and things are so, you, you can't predict how things could go. And so God defines us by what he is in his word. During the message Pastor Heidi preached, he preached and said that uh, there was, and that, that caught my attention so much. He said there was a research that was done uh, f- to find out from teenagers about who a Christian is. And that in that research, it, most of them define a Christian to be people who are good, they have a good behavior, they don't smoke, they don't you know, do girls' things, and they're just, and that's who many of them say a Christian is. And that was a wrong one. Very few of them talk about a Christian as someone who has a personal relationship with God. And that's what matters. They think it's something hard and fast rules. Like, it's just, you have to keep this rule, keep that rule, and do this. Make sure you do it. If you don't do it, if you, keep, if you fail in one, you fail in all. And that's how. No. It's a relationship. It goes beyond that. And she mentioned that people think that relig- uh, being a Christian is about doing things. It's about religion. Just being religious. That, that is not what it is. We are, we are, we are free. And we are learning to be free. That's the way she puts it. Like, we are learning to be free. We are free in Christ, and we are learning to be free. Not defined by what people say we are, or what culture says we are. Not by what the TV says you are, but by what the Word of God says you are. And this morning when we are talking about I am who you say I am. And one prayer that I pray most times is, Lord, help me to see you the way Help me to see myself the way you see me. If God, if God opens your eyes to see him, I mean to see yourself the way he sees you, I believe it's going to look in a different way than the way you see yourself or the way other people see you. That's the freedom that we have in Christ. Pastor Jamie also mentioned that we are saved from the power of sin and free to fail and receive and walk in the grace that Christ has given unto us. And that Jesus Christ is the only way to be free, to be free from sin. Being good or doing good does not set us free or make us right. It's not the way of being right or righteousness, but it is the power of faith in Christ Jesus that makes us free. God loves people and wants them to be free and joyful, not to just do good and be sorry, like be sorry every time and no, that's not the freedom that Christ has given unto us. He has given us freedom in all ramification. Many of us live for our brokenness instead of our acceptance. We are free to fail, and we are not rejected by God. God wants a relationship. For us to be made right, we need to trust in the finished work of Christ. It's not by what we do. It's by the finished work of Christ. And as you know, that this world is broken. A lot of things that might not go as we expect. But one thing we know is that when we trust God, faith in Christ Jesus is all that we need. It's all that we have. And our brokenness is healed and repaired as we walk in relationship with him. Our relationship with God, when we walk with him every day, our brokenness is revealed and it is mended. God mends it by his word. 
It is not us that will fix it. It's God that will fix it. God knows how to do it, and that's why we should give it to him because he's the one that will do it. All right, let's quickly go into the book of Galatians that we're reading. Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to be reading from verses 15. I'm going to be talking about the promise, the law, and what we have now as believers. The first thing is who made the promise? We're going to see it now from the book of Galatians chapter 3, verses 15. All right. I'm going to start from verses 15 to 16. This is Paul speaking to the Galatian church, to the Galatians here. Verse 15. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. Paul the Apostle was explaining this to the Galatians, that this is the promise God gave to Abraham. God gave a promise. So the first thing we want to consider is the promise. Who made the promise? God made the promise. God made the promise to Abraham. In the Old Testament, there were a lot of promises God made about that land, the land, the promised land. You hear the promised land, the land. This land of promise or the promised land referred to a physical location. Also, it can refer metaphorically to an inheritance. In those days, what they see, they, they see a land, like landed properties as something of great inheritance. Just like being the son or the daughter of the most wealthy American of all time, John Rockefeller. If you're the daughter of Rockefeller, you know you have a lot of money, a lot of estates, a lot of jewelries, properties, stocks, bonds, and all kinds of things. So it's like God is promising you, hey, I'm going to give you all that that belongs to me, all of this. This is the inheritance I'm going to give to you. This is the land I'm promising you. So God promised Abraham, I'm going to give you, I'm going to take you to that land. Your, 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 your descendants will go to that land. That's promise, that inheritance. It's also talking metaphorically about that which is Christ Jesus. We're going to see it now. The best way they could understand God's promise was something that they were familiar with, which is a land. Like they see land as something of huge value. If you're going to be a billionaire in America, they will ask, what is your net worth? So the net worth of a person is what is used as a consideration of that person being a billionaire or a millionaire. So God says, I'm going to make your net worth billion. Like, this is the net worth I'm giving to you. But that net worth is beyond what money can buy. And that was what God was promising Abraham at that time. All right, let's look at it in Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. God told him, I'm going to give you the land. To your offspring, look at that, singular. To your offspring I will give this land. I will give this inheritance. I'm going to give you this thing that will make you become very great. And notice that the blessing that God gave to Abraham, 
was not a physical blessing alone. The blessing God was referring to, I will bless you. I will make you great. I will make your children as the stars of heaven. The children there were not just the Israelites. It's talking about people who come to faith in Christ Jesus all over the world, black, white, everywhere, where people believe in that offspring, in the offspring that was to come. Jesus is that offspring all over the world, even in places where they cannot, they cannot even gather like this to worship. In places, in some countries, some communist countries where they worship in bunkers because they must not be caught. In places where, you know, you know one thing, I remember going for a missionary trip back in, in Nigeria to a place where they have never experienced electricity. Never ex- they have never seen Coca-Cola. They have never seen bottled water all their life. They drink water from, the, from a stream, from a river. And we took the gospel of Jesus there. And for the first time, I preached the gospel to someone. I did not understand his language. There was an interpreter that was interpreting to him what I was saying about Jesus. And he received Christ. Those are the people God was talking to about places as the stars over everywhere. The stars of the sky. That's the way it is. That is who God was talking about. The promise of Christ. That was the promise that was given. Now, who was the promise to? The promise was to Abraham and his offspring. This is one of the reasons the genealogy of the book of Matthew, chapter 1, starts with Abraham. You see, when you open the book of Matthew, it starts with Abraham and hence with Jesus. This is that offspring when they started the genealogy. Abraham begat this, begat that, till Jesus. That was the promise. That an offspring, this offspring, from this offspring, several people will come. Thousands of people will come to know the Lord. And that will be the inheritance. In the book of Genesis chapter 13, I remember Abraham was barren, could not give birth. And Abraham was like, God, what are you going to give to me? I'm getting older. What is going to be my inheritance? I was thinking God would say, okay, I I would give you some money. I would give you billions of of currency or whatever. He said, I am your exceedingly great reward. I am. I am your exceedingly great reward. If you have Jesus, you have everything. Because that is, if there's nothing else God wants to give us apart from himself. Himself. He said, I am your great reward. And giving Jesus to us who came in the form of flesh, God in man, is the best God could give to us. And that was the promise that God gave. The next question, what was this promise? God told Abraham, number one, he promised him a land, an inheritance. Number two, he promised him descendants, as I've explained. People would come to faith through Christ Jesus all over the world, from all nations, from all tribes, from every language, every tongue, different people. Do you know that a lot of people believe in Christ all over the world? You may not see it on TV, but there are so many people that have heard about this Jesus that we know. They may not be in the same democratic country like we are. They might not be in the same language, but different places all over the world. This inheritance has been given, and that is who we have, Jesus. The third one is the promise of blessing and redemption. A promise of blessing and redemption. The blessing there is not a physical one, but 
The blessing is redemption. Now, what is the blessing we have as believers? It's not our cars. It's not the money we have in our bank. No, that's, that's, that's a physical one. Someone else can have it. But I tell you, the blessing we have is, number one, we have redemption. We have salvation. We have sanctification. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. We have eternal life. We have a hope of glory that we, when we live here, we will, we will be, we already have eternal life. Jesus Christ said, anyone who believes in me will never die. Did you, did you, did you get that? Even if the person dies physically, the person will not die eternally. That's, that's huge. It is something that money can never buy. It's, you, can't, you can't get it from anywhere. You can't buy it anywhere. That is the huge blessing that God has given unto us. The huge blessing is his name. For us to call on his name is, is a huge blessing. That's the promise God gave through Abraham. And we have it today. Now we're going to quickly go to the law that um, uh, Paul was explaining there, the law. Now I've just talked about the promise. I'm going to talk about the law. Galatians chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. Paul was speaking here to the Galatians. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it, is no, longer, it no longer comes by promise. But, if God gave, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. This is what happened. God gave Abraham a promise. And 430 years after, Moses received the law from angels to the people of Israel. Now, the question would be, who gave the law? The answer is, the law was given to Moses. God gave the law through angels and a mediator called Moses. But that promise that was given from the beginning, before the law came, is still on. The book of Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says, In the right time, at the right season, God sent his son. The fact that God promises does not mean it will not fulfill it. Even though it doesn't look as if it's going to come to pass, does not mean it's failed. God is a promise keeper. Whatever he says, he will do it. Is a God that does not fail because he's almighty himself. He has the power to make it come to pass in his own time. He has the power to make it come to pass, and God cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. That promise was still there, yet they received the law. So I'm going to tell you why they received the, the, the law. This law was given to Moses, an intermediary, but the covenant that God gave through Abraham was still there. The promise was still there. And the law came in by the administration of angels. Different laws, about 613 laws of Moses. And they could be categorized into three. The first one is the ceremonial laws. Washing by, you know, killing rams, goats, and, you know, doing all of the ceremonial, that, that's, that's ceremonial, burnt offerings and the rest like that. And there was the civil law, the civil law, spelled out how the Israelites should conduct themselves, paying money to people and, and whatnot. Then the moral law, that's the Ten Commandments that God gave. Why was the law given? The law was given because of transgression. 
the law was given because of transgression. The law was to show the Israelites how sinful they are and how much they could not meet the standard by their own righteousness. The law was to show them that, hey, if you want to meet the right, if you want to stand right with God, you cannot try, you can't do it. You can't fulfill 613 laws. You can't do everything. You will, you will forget. Even all of the laws, one by one, when I was looking at the laws, like, don't shave your head, don't shave it this way. Don't, I was like, oh my God, maybe I will have committed like five in a day. <laughs> I will have broken five laws in a day. It's to show that by their power, they cannot do it. It was their schoolmaster. The King James Version says, the law was a schoolmaster. That is teaching them. When I was younger, a friend of mine told me, because he's the last child of the family out of four kids, he told me that anytime time his parents traveled, he doesn't like it at all because his elderly siblings would send him on errands and say, hey, do this for me, do that for me, do this for me. And when they are giving him food, they just give him a small ration. And so when his parents come back, he's like, yeah, mommy's back, daddy's back. That was how the law was. The law was a schoolmaster, was like somebody temporarily, like a caretaker, just taking care of what was just temporarily, just to keep them on check. The law was to keep them on check. That, hey, this is it. And number two, to show them that with your own righteousness, you can't fulfill, you can't, you can't stand right with your own. You only, it was always pointing to the blood. It was pointing by the ceremonial cleansing, by the washing, of, killing of rams, and all of those cleansing. It was pointing at Jesus that was going to be sacrificed. Like, hey, you people, you can't do it by yourself. You cannot fulfill this righteousness. And the promise is still on. It was like God is telling them, you can't do it by yourself. I'm going to help you. I'm going to do it by myself. I'm going to provide. It will also make us remember what Abraham said when he was sacrificing, when he wanted to sacrifice Isaac. Isaac said, hey, dad, where is the lamb offering? He said, the Lord will provide himself. The Lord will provide himself. That means God will provide himself. Abraham was prophetically speaking that it is only God that will provide himself. And God provided himself through Christ Jesus coming in flesh. And what did John see? John the, uh, John the baptizer, when he saw Jesus coming to be baptized, what did he say? He said, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh the sins of the world. It was just exactly that. Well, the time is over. This is the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. It's here. Just one lamb that will take everything. All of the rams and bulls will not do it. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the lambs, the rams were to just cover the sin. It just covers it temporarily. It could not wash away their sins. But the promise overrules all. The promise was greater than all. The promise was greater. It was just temporary. Okay, let's go back to Galatians chapter, 21, uh, chapter 3, verse 21 to 24. Paul speaking here. Is the law then contrary to the promise of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ may, might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. 
So then, the law was our guardian. The King James Version says, our schoolmaster. Guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. King James Version says, schoolmaster. He was just there temporarily as a schoolmaster to the Jews. But now we have the promise fulfilled. The promise has been fulfilled in Christ. And now we look unto Jesus because he's the one who has fulfilled all that God said. It is God himself fulfilling his promise. The law was there temporarily. So what do we have now? We have the freedom to live. We have the freedom from, from sin, from bondage of religion. Don't eat this, don't do this, don't wear this, don't do that. And we are free from the penalty and guilt of sin. The song we sang a few minutes ago says, I am who you say I am. We are free and we are, we are free to fail. We are free from past failures. Failures in whatever, your marriage, failures in your relationship with God, even your future failures, we have freedom. God has given us freedom in Christ. We are not condemned. We are free in Christ. God is not punishing you for your sins. You need to note that. It's not like, oh. No, it's not punishing you for your sins. He wants to have that relationship with you. You have that freedom to fail. You have many things that once you're a Christian, you just have to walk on a thin line. You just keep walking and walking. You will not move to the right or left, or you will not make some mistakes. You will not mess up at times. But that's not true. Because God knows it before you even made it. Because he knows your end. He knows the end from the beginning. And so it's not about, you know, you just walking like, oh, Lord, and just working on that thin line. And so when you, when you deviate, it's like, oh, yes, you've done that. I'm going to punish you for that. No. And when the voice of doubt, when the voice of condemnation whispers out your ears and say, you are not good enough. You don't think God, God, God doesn't have time for you. You say, no. I'm free from my failures. I'm free from all of my mistakes. I'm free from whatever thing that has gone wrong. Although I am broken, God is working on me, is working in me, is working with me, is making all things new, is bringing things renewed in me. I am renewed every day. I am renewed every day. That's what you tell. You, you say You say it out loud. You, you need to say it loud to yourself. I'm free. I can fail. I can make mistakes. But yet, God is still with me. He loves me. His love increases. He's, he's there at all times. Not because of my failure, not because of my mistakes, not because of how my family does not look perfectly like other people, not by what other people say you are. It's about what he says you are. You are what God says you are, not by what the society says you are. The society can say, hey, your family is messed up. The society might say, hey, why are you just crooked? You're not looking straight. You are just, oh, it's, no, you're not, you're not accepted. No. What God says you are is that you are precious. What God says you are is that you are loved. What God says you are, he says, I don't look at you by your mistakes. You know what? All the people God has used in the Bible failed. All of them, one after the other, they failed. 
But that's not what God is looking for. Starting from Moses, when he was to call Moses, he said, Moses said, I am a stammerer. I don't talk, I talk like this. And God says, yeah, that's what I want to use. <laughs> that's what I want to use. So despite your failures, despite your imperfection, and let me tell you, you won't be perfect. You keep walking towards it. You keep walking towards it, and God will be walking in you. You might not be perfect, but God works in that imperfection. He turns everything around. That is what he is. He's a, he's a loving father. He's, he's a God that loves us. So you are free to fail. Through Christ Jesus, you can experience peace. You can experience life. You can experience joy. You, ex, you can experience joy. God is not punishing you for what happened in the past. There could be some earthquake events that happen in your family. Some things that shook you to the foundation. And you're like, hey, I don't think God is here anymore. Maybe God has left me some months ago, and I don't think I'm worthy. You're worthy? God loves you. Despite your mistakes, your failures, despite all that might be occurring, yes, he loves you. When I read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and I see the heroes of faith, Abraham, I see Rahab, I'm like, what? God is a God that works with imperfect people, people that fail, people that mess up. Because we have be free. We have freedom in Christ. All these people were looking forward to the freedom in Christ. They said they believed in God and it was counted to them as righteousness. So you are right because you have Christ. Righteousness standing with Christ. So your failures or your mistakes should not define who you are. It is who God says you are and that you have freedom even in him. You have freedom in him. The law was the schoolmaster. He told them, don't do this. If you do that, this is going to happen. If you do that, this, that. And that was how they were, they were walking. They thought God was like that. No. All of the law was just for a temporal time until God would send his son, until his son came. And when his son came, that was, that was the end. He fulfilled all the law. It was only Jesus that could fulfill all of the law. So show you that it is only by Believing, having faith in Christ Jesus only, that's what makes you free. Not by political party. Political party is not, there's no politi uh, political party that is perfect. They always have one comma. They have something, you know, they, they, they are not perfect. There's no system that is perfect all over the world. When I was in Nigeria, I was like, oh, why is Nigeria like this? When I came to the US, I was like, oh my, I thought it was, <laughs> it was only Nigeria. So, it's, there is no perfect place anywhere. There is no perfect family. No, it doesn't exist. It might look good on TV, but it, it's not. And God is not defining you by your mistake or your failures. He sees you in the eyes of Jesus Christ. He sees you in the eyes of Jesus. Your righteousness is of Christ. And when he looks at you, he looks at Christ in you. You are not defined by your past or by what the society say you are. Relationship with Christ is what we need to pursue, like just building that relationship, surrendering to him, being quiet before him, learning from him, engaging in community, and keep, keep receiving from him to shaping you, to sharpen you every day, every day. So in conclusion, you have the freedom to fail and fail again. 
God's arms are always open wide. Always open wide. As we close, I would like to ask a question as we think about this in silence. What failure in your life do you see God's grace working? I just want you to think about it for a moment. What failure, what mistake, what error have you made that you, you can see God walking, that you can see the light shining? Let's think about it for some moments. God is working in your failures. He's doing something new. He's making you a better person. And he loves you. Lord, we thank you for the word this morning. And we thank you because even though the society, things around us, even ourselves might condemn us, ourselves, but Lord, you are greater than our heart and our mind. You are greater than what society might say. You are greater than what culture might say. You are greater than what science might say. And we thank you for the freedom we have in you, even to fail and to know that you love us despite our imperfection and brokenness. Thank you because you are working in us and through us to make us refined and renewed every day. As we keep looking at your word, as we keep involving ourselves in community, thank you because you are walking through us and in us. Lord, we pray that as we continue in this reality this week, we pray that you would continue to shine your light in every dark places. And that, Lord, we will see ourselves, even as you see us in you that we would think about ourselves as you think about us. And we would speak about ourselves as you speak about us. Thank you, Father, because you have done it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I'm going to call on Pastor Jamie to run off service. So I know it's going to be the doxology. Yeah, I wasn't prepared. <laughs> That's okay. So uh, let's just stand with us. We'll sing the doxology to close the service. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. 
Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. You know, God gives us the freedom to fail, so we need to give each other the freedom to fail. So when we say this morning, go in the grace of the Lord, I pray that you walk in the grace and forgiveness that God gives you to fail, and that you give that grace to your neighbor, the people right around you, and especially to me, your pastor. Uh, okay, <laughs> please, I need that. Um, and I love you. Uh, Jesus loves you, and we will see you guys next week. All right, bye.